laughing big heads Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house gift you think will be insightful Clever or just well researched we're here to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one car It is Wednesday, May the 19th Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL adjacent podcast My name is Will Anderson And my name is Charlie Clawson And uh, well, we had a lot of people uh, send us Very excitedly send us a link during the week um, That Two Guys, One Cup favourite Ben Cunnington was mic'd up um, have you had a chance to watch the video? I haven't. Run me through it. Well, there's not much to run through because they mic'd up the most silent man in the AFL and they got like virtually no... I watched just watched a three-minute video and he says maybe two words, which they had to subtitle because you couldn't hear them. The only good thing in the video is that he burns Taron Thomas for a high five. And I don't know who was editing the video at Arden Street, but obviously the media department did it. So if it wasn't bad enough that he burns Taron Thomas for the high five, they then cut to some black and white footage with Hello Darkness playing and it's uh, a footage of Ben Cunnington sitting next to Taron Thomas on the bench from a game, you know, maybe last year or something where Taron Thomas is trying to chat to Ben Cunnington and Ben's just staring into the middle distance, not responding. Okay, here's what I've got to do. I've got to start watching more of this AFL-related content that is being produced because the last couple of things I've watched have been so entertaining and is it, has AFL, like, because I mean, for me, it was always just kind of like, here's the clip of the goal or here's some player at best, here's some funny thing a player did at training and they kicked the goal from like the stands or something like that, right? But it feels like there's been a real leap forward in what constitutes like an AFL adjacent sports package. I watched one with the umpire. Have you seen this? The umpire yeah. who got a it, shoulder dislocated it. by Dusty Martin. And it's like an adult swim piece. Like I was pissing myself laughing at this and you know i'm i'm an umpire lover i'm absolutely 100 percent behind the umpires and so i say this not to mock this fella he's the exact sort of fella that i would want to be a goal umpire it was like he was born to be a goal umpire that he had no higher station or higher calling in his entire life than just this passion he had to be a goal umpire despite the fact that he was I think probably traditionally quite a diminutive and quiet person. He has just gone, you know what though? Despite the fact that I am these things, I also every weekend would like to go down to the MCG in front of, or, you know, Marvel in front of 18,000, but sometimes the MCG in front of 70,000 yeah. fans and be involved in the biggest game. And like, I'm the goal umpire. That's a. I would love it. I would love it if this little goal umpire finishes interview just with a bit of dimmer action where he's like, you know, I would have rather been uh, umpiring at the MCG. I hate coming to this place. <laughs> See, this was the, the real dichotomy of this fella because he seemed like a guy who had accidentally become a goal umpire. Like the only possible, because there was no part of his demeanor, his personality that said to you, you know what he wants to do with his weekends? One of the most high pressure, most scrutinized, thankless jobs on the biggest, most scrutinized stage, like television, millions of people watching. Like he's a performer who goes to work and does this live show and this televised show every weekend. He's an integral part of the game. And he looked so like a guy who had gone there for work experience and they give him the wrong hat. Well, it feels like 
anyone, not, sorry, I don't want to, let me phrase this correctly. It's not that anyone can be a goal umpire, but it's such a diverse collection of personalities from your David Roden ex-footballers doing the worm, you know, kind of goal right. umpires to nerdy little Rain Man goal umpire. Like, this guy looked like thinking- he would have a worm farm. Like at right. home to like compost because he was a responsible dude. But that was as far as he'd be going with the worm. Because I was just thinking as you're talking about it, like what is the pathway for a goal umpire? Like uh, if you want to be like an umpire and, you know, you're a field umpire, that seems like a pretty obvious pathway. You start uh-huh. in junior levels, you know, you get to representative, blah, blah, blah. But from my experience playing junior footy, the goal umpire was always someone's dad. Right. <laughs> Isn't that how it went down? Like someone's dad would just chuck on a white coat and – more often than not, dad wouldn't be watching when the ball went through and he'd just have a guess at what happened. That'd be great if they brought that back for Heritage Round of the AFL. Like each what, team father, has son, goal umpires? a dad, a father-son. Yes, exactly. A father-son, except it's a son-father. <laughs> um, so this video with this umpire, they recreated the ball coming towards <laughs> him. Oh, God. I wish it's, I had seen it. Mate, it is... Stunning. You will absolutely love it because you're really watching it going, hang on. So they're interviewing this guy. And if you didn't know it, you'd think he was some sort of best in show, like, you know, style on Christopher Guest. Who was just being like interviewed for like he's a guy who has a weird job and he's gonna tell you something about his worst date, his weird job, right? That's basically what this sketch could exist at by itself but he's a real guy and you know he had his shoulder dislocated by this enormous hit that he took in front of everybody but he's telling his story very sincerely like very matter-of-factly like he's having some he, he understands that what they're doing is kind of fun but at the same time there's limits to his natural amount of fun that he has to let out in any occasion <laughs> like he's just a really kind of simple delightful exactly what you want in a goal umpire sort of guy right but then they start the people who've made the video like are in the graphics department and suddenly like they've got the ball. So they've got him standing in the goal square again. And then they've got this like ball that they've made track possibly in the direction the ball was going on the night, but it's on the screen, but that's still kind of okay. But then suddenly there's this like animatronic Dustin Martin that appears that just like starts bearing down on this goal umpire. So he's being attacked by this like graphics version of Dustin Martin. Live action goal umpire has been run down by animated (laughs) Dustin Martin. Yeah, and not well animated. (laughs) Like it's really funny and then the, yeah they slow it down at the end it's got a whole it's it, it's very funny i highly recommend it i think the i think most clubs media departments are doing a great job like i think the st kilda digital department they often produce videos like that little funny videos that get players you know ex-players to do sketches and stuff like that i mean i've often said that like football now can be 12 months of the year like you don't have to tune out from afl because they work really really hard to keep you interested and keep some storylines going in the off season i have a very soft spot for players you know being told they're going to play their first game and there's some absolute crackers like if you want to spend some time you know, really connecting with the best parts of football, watching players get presented, like particularly these days because they get someone in to speak about them first, they break it to them. I've watched so many of them now, though, that I've started to get a bit judgy when they're not good enough. 
You know, <laughs> like when you're just it's like a bit terrible production you're like, Terrible backstory. That guy was a bad speaker. Enough. Didn't even say that many nice things about you. I think they're desperate, and you didn't seem fussed. Yeah. yeah, at least played the soundtrack from Saving Private Ryan, so I feel something. Come on, wheeling your weird mum or something. That's what I'm here for. I would love, just as a prank for a club, to uh, uh, do one of those um, uh, presenting, uh, letting a guy know he's playing his first game, but just building him up, letting him know he's playing first game, but then telling him he's going to be the medical sub. <laughs> I like them, when, I like them when they go wrong. I think that's a new twist. You know, there was that dude from Collingwood like three or four weeks back who got presented with, which again, up until this moment, I never knew this really happened. But apparently when you play your first game, they give you like a plaque of some sort, right? So he's holding mm. his plaque and then all the teammates come in and give him like a cuddle and a high five and a congratulations and someone smashes his plaque. And so there's <laughs> really? just like glass everywhere on the ground. And I'm like, that is an impractical gift for this moment. Could you have not seen this this coming? There was a great bit of footage after the North game, and congratulations to North. Showed some real shin bone spirit. I've uh, this. You mean, uh, we haven't heard much. Congratulations to you, Will Anderson, uh, who tipped nine out of nine games oh, yeah, in the last round of did. the AFL. Although you told me that the other day when we were recording yeah. Tofop, and I've listened to a couple of other footy podcasts since, and that was mentioned by at least one person on each show. I think it was considered yeah. a very favorite favorite uh, heavy round. I um, agree. And I do not uh, think that I have any footy acumen. I mention it mostly because it will probably never happen again. So why would I not enjoy this one moment where I managed to fluke nine out of nine? But there's been a lot of talk of Shinboner spirit again. Like that, um, it sort of started with David Noble talking about, yeah, you know, we'd take their priority pick if it was on offer. And then I think Kingy started the conversation saying, that's not the North Melbourne way. Like North Melbourne, they identify as scrappers. You know, it's the shin bone of spirit. And then it sort of caught fire a bit. I'm like, oh, that's interesting because we haven't heard much talk about the shin bone of spirit. But maybe this is the ignition for the for North Melbourne season. It's like, it's almost like a, it's like a movie where, you know, the force has died out of the universe and everyone has sort of forgot about it. It's become like a myth. But there is one last Jedi. His name is Ben Cunnington. And he brings I like to think, the Shin like Bonus Spirit back. David the Shin Bonus Spirit awakens. David King is in the lab doing some work, putting together yep. some statistics and graphics and all those sort of things. And he finds this envelope. And inside this envelope is just an old style uh, cassette tape because Kingy still has a car that has a cassette tape player. And he <laughs> yeah, puts that cassette tape in his cassette tape player and uh, it starts playing a thing called Kumpf Fan Fiction. <laughs> and he's just like, it blows his mind like he's done DMT. And he's just like, I get it now. We've got to bring back the Shinbone spirit. I would, that's what it feels like to me. I feel like this, it's been a weird year for tropes. The demons are suddenly good, you know. Backs against the wall doesn't make any sense anymore. I'm glad to well, see. Well, that's one I of didn't Jordan Dugowie get off on the defence that I was just checking that our backs weren't fully against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he was doing, wasn't he, Jordy? It's pretty amazing that response from Collingwood too. When considering the year they've had and the and and the public relations disaster that they've had, you think when that bit of vision got identified, they would have come out with something didn't have to be a complete sort of like capitulation and groveling, but just something that sort of recognized that we understand that we've got to set higher standards, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't. They just really offensive. And it's like, 
Have you learned nothing in the last like six months? I reckon they know that there's some shit about to go down. And this sort of shit will just get lost in the mix. Like there's Game of Thrones shit happening at presidential level. It's exactly what, I mean, Eddie was the ruler of that kingdom in every fucking way. And it's being revealed how intricately, like because he wasn't just the president, because he had a hand in everything from sponsorship to coach selection to board selection to, you know, convincing people that elections are, uh, like, I mean, he very much has always said that he thinks the best way to run the world is benevolent dictatorship. And I feel yeah. like he was having a, a crack at that, you know, in the way that he served Collingwood. And, you know, many people could argue that he served it very well. And there's obviously a myriad of flaws as well, which he's, you know, now like had to move on because of. And suddenly it's not just replacing him, is it? Like the whole shit is just like, it's all falling apart. And there's like, it's the old days. There's mystery tickets and there's going to be challenges. <laughs> and there's like, you know, members getting together, trying to call extraordinary general meetings. And I'm just like, this is, this is fun. Remember when Collingwood's biggest problem two weeks ago was prison bars? <laughs> it's, it, you're right. It's There's a power vacuum that's yeah. been created. It's like what happened in the Middle East. You go out and you take out the head of a state and then all of a sudden you've got all those factions that he was keeping under control now warring against each other. You're right. It's very Game of Thrones. I live on a property where there's, uh, you know, snakes and uh, our gardener actually said, and I don't know actually the validity to this, but it fits very well in the theme of this podcast. I know about as much about whether this is true as I know about AFL. Um, so he said, you'll have a snake. There'll be a brown snake that lives on your property, a property this size. There's definitely a brown snake here. He says, you actually want the king brown snake because the king brown snake, it's his area. He's not bothered by what you're doing. He actually gets used to your patterns and like, you know, as long as you make enough noise when you go and wherever he might be and you leave him alone, he'll leave you alone. And he protects that area from any of the, you know, invading other forces. The reason you don't have eight brown snakes is because you've got this like king brown snake. But if you kill the king brown snake, then suddenly all these young ambitious brown snakes are like, I could have this territory. That's what's happening at Collingwood. Yeah, it feels like that. Someone, I, because uh, I live not far from you, and um, I've discovered I have a cobra, not a cobra, a python, <laughs> a python living under my house, <laughs> uh, uh, which I'm told is uh, is is harmless. Like it, it, can, it strangles things, but it's not venomous. Um, and they said the same thing. They said it's not worth getting it removed because cobras are alphas and they keep other smaller snakes away. Right. So what so we're I've got, saying I've is, got, I've got Tony Cochrane. Was- <laughs> I've got the Tony Cochran of snakes. He's kind of like, he's kind of harmless, doesn't really do anything. You'll notice him. He's always out in public eye, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Mate, not venomous. Don't look away. No he will str- don't look away. He will strangle you. <laughs> now, it's a weird uh, oh, round for you, Will, because on one hand, it was a great round for you, but on another hand, it was a terrible round for you because your two loves, uh, the Western Bulldogs and Port Adelaide, played each other. So how do you feel after that you've been an adelaide port adelaide believer the whole time um now uh they have taken the mantle according to popular popular media as the downhill skiers um beat everyone below them can't take on the teams above them uh tell me what that was like well 
It was, you know what? It was, I said to you when we did our tips, we do our tips regularly on a Thursday on Instagram around five o'clock. Uh, mostly we try to do it and uh, we have a little chat for 15, 20 minutes about, you know, our tips and what we think is going to happen in the round. And I said to you that I was actually really looking forward to this game because I thought it was a good test for the Bulldogs. And I thought the Bulldogs passed the test. It was oh, yeah. actually genuinely pleasing to watch because I was like, we've come to town and they want to win. They looked really professional. And even when Port got that little run on and, you know, kind of got back in the game, it always felt like we had it in hand. I love Cody Waitman. I loved him when he played yes. last year. And it was so good to have him back in the team. You're like, oh, yeah, this is good. Um, I just thought, you know, like Josh Bruce is being Josh Bruce and Aaron Norton's mm. being Aaron Norton. And, look, you know, we still have some players out that will come back. But Bontempelli's playing incredible football. Like he's just an absolute pleasure to watch. And, look, I think Port Adelaide probably aren't quite as good as I thought they were. So it's I don't think it's oh, like beating no. a top four side. It probably is like beating a fifth or sixth side at the moment which we if we're we're pretty clear in second i think melbourne are clearly better than we are and richmond proved that they can beat us it'll be interesting when we play you guys because english isn't back we're still sort of you know and like that is your 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 you guys do pretty well against us and also mm. i think that in the ruck you're probably going to dominate us that could be like a a, a a danger game and then i think it's melbourne so that's that one where you're like I'd love to see how we play against Melbourne because with our back line and their forward line, I I I fear. <laughs> I fear. I fear. I don't know if you noticed, but while you were uh, waxing lyrical about the Bulldogs, you actually said um, their performance was pleasing. You've finally adopted some ritualisms. It's only taken six years. Um, there's another bit of uh, uh, footy vernacular that uh, I've noticed this season because I wonder sometimes, like, the coaches must go to certain, like, you know, annual, annual general meetings and stuff like that, and maybe there's some conferences and all that kind of stuff. But every now and then you, you hear words and – uh, a few weeks ago, Brett Ratton talked about St Kilda players needing to see some scoreboard nourishment. Oh, no. And everyone was like, oh, that's you like know an what? odd choice of word. I and then- 100% I'm glad you brought this up because oh, you heard I this? am one. I am all about nourishment. Like <laughs> nourishment. Matthew Lloyd's talking about nourishment. Damien Hardwick's yeah. talking about nourishment. Noble used it's it It's all press about conference. getting a bit of nourishment. So, but that's, that has only started this year, right? Like- I cannot remember hearing that word used in relation to football prior to 2021. Who is the originator of nourishment? I'd love to go back well, and Brett, find out who. Brett Ratton was the first one I heard say it. I, I think it goes back further. When did Brett Ratton say it? Uh, like that three or four weeks yeah, ago? Yeah, no, no, no. This is like the start of the season. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Like I think nourishment is like the buzzword of 2021. Maybe that was one of the things they worked on when they were in the hub. You know, they just got in a room with some advertising creatives, a couple of what guys with ponytails, <laughs> and said, like, we're just going to get some new words out there next year. How do you feel about nourishment? Yeah, you're saying they had a blue sky session. Right. I mean, you've got some time, right? We've got to get people back to the football. What do we need? Some proactive words. Hey, uh, interesting to see David Teague, uh, uh, his Mia Culpa. You don't often see that, like, Considering, uh, to use another footy cliche, how, man, how much Ducks and Drakes are played in Clubland, 
I was like, I mean, the, I thought the, the media went a bit hard on him. I actually thought it took a lot of guts to actually fucking own up to what he did. Like he really, a lot of coaches, can you imagine Mick Malthouse ever confessing to something like that? Like I actually think it takes quite a bit of guts for him to say, you know what? I uh, was frustrated by his form and I was frustrated by all the questions and he had had an injury, but I thought he was past it and I should have just been honest. Like I, he didn't need to come out and say that, but yeah, it was really interesting. I think he's taking a short-term hit for a absolute long-term gain. Like this is, to me, I'm much more willing to forgive a guy who's just gone, yeah, look, I had a bad day the other day. There's a lot of competing factors. He's our captain. He's not playing his best. He clearly had an injury at some stage. We're in contract negotiations at the moment. I have to tread so fucking delicately about what is going on here right now. And I made, in the moment, a bad call. Move on. As opposed to somebody who just denies for the next 10 years of their coaching career that they ever got anything fucking wrong. That I'm like, no fucking yeah. way. Don't. Why do you need to just like cling to the lie? Just admit that you got it wrong. Good. Well, do you think that I trust you, th you more next time now? Well, that's what I was going to say because I agree. I think it's actually a great attribute. I think that's great uh, for one of your leaders to have. But do you think within like clubland, someone will go, "We can't have that guy leading our club." A, he lied in the first place. B, he sounds wishy-washy by changing. He's got no kind of commitment. Probably. Probably mm. there is that sort of attitude. It would not be my attitude. I would admire that. Like, I'd be like, oh, he's a dude I can work with, right? Yeah. yeah. He got it wrong. The, and he called thought, his mistake. Like, it's the thing you ask the players to do every weekend. Like, this is my major frustration. And it was the thing with the umpires as well, which is that we judge this game on every fucking level as if people need to be perfect in a game that we all know is completely imperfect that no one ever mm. plays like it's played with an oval ball the whole idea of it being played with an oval ball is you don't know which direction it's going to bounce in the very nature and ethos at the heart of the game is about its unpredictability and then yet we judge people so harshly for like getting shit wrong he got it wrong he admitted he got it wrong move on it made me there like him actual... more it made me like him a lot yeah more, me to too honest. They're, they're, me too. They're actually on that topic of like, you know, people expecting perfection. I mean, look, the St Kilda should have beaten the Cats on Saturday. Max King kicks 1 5 or 1 6, whatever it was. I could not believe there were people going, well, he's a bust. It's like, hang on. Did you miss the part where he had six scoring shots, like took 10 marks, like six contested, the marks. most marks that anyone's taken against Geelong, like in the last five years? He dominated. He kicked badly. He needs to fix his yeah. kicking, but he's a gun. Yeah. But there's people who don't see that. They're like, oh, he sucks. Get rid of him. That's like, who are right. I'm talking like St. No, Kilda no, supporters too. Yeah, he does suck. Come to the Bulldogs. It's like the Cubs. He'll fit in at the Bulldogs. That's how we all kick at the Bulldogs. One six. Good day. Scored seven points. I, so I went to that game on Friday. It's my um, uh, uh, my first live game was last week in the Gold Coast. This is my first kind of like uh, uh, you know proper seeing a game in Melbourne at, at Marvel. I need and, to uh, just for the record, correct. So Adam Spencer does a message during the week. I said seven points when I meant twelve points because one six is one goal, which is six points, and then six points, which is another six points. And I knew that I would get a message from him. So Spence, <laughs> if you sent off that message before you got to this bit of the fucking podcast where I realized the mistake I had made, I am sorry. 
Swans are a good team. I believe in them. Everything's fine. Uh, so that was like the most frustrating game. My mate Nick, who I, he's my the, yeah. a good friend of mine that I always go to my Saints games with, and he's been following the Saints as long as I have. And as we were trudging out of the stadium, he's like, he said to you me, "You guys have like had a lot of bad times together." Well, yeah. You? Well, no, no. Look, because we started going to the footy together in the two thousand, yeah. so we actually had ten years of good times. It's probably even now. We've had ten years of good times, and now ten years of bad times. Yeah. But as we're trudging out, he's like. Just when you think they can't find new ways to hurt you, they do. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was just such a perfect comment. And so this we went back like to his something place. Something that you guys do, like, willingly. Like, you, yeah. you ring each other and you're like, hey, you know what? I'm in town. We should both go and be miserable together on the weekend. <laughs> so, well, this is, listen to what we did next. So we go back to his place. And we're talking about the game and just like, look, checking the stats on the phones. We just can't work out how we lost. Like we won contested possession. We won uncontested possession, beat them in tackles, beat them inside 50s, everything. But we lost the game. And so I was like, do you want to watch the first quarter again? And we'll just like analyze it. And so in that first quarter, we kicked seven behinds, no goals. And like, as we were watching it, it it started becoming hilarious. It's like, look how, like, because we were dominating. Like, we were beating them all over the ground. Like, Marshall's crashing into packs, taking huge grabs, handballs, slick connection, Jack Steele's being Jack Steele. It's amazing. We're just missing. And then Nick sort of stops the video and he's like, have you seen that TV show, The Good Place? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think I saw the first season. I haven't seen the whole one. And he's gone, I've binged the whole thing. It's great. And it's so spoilers. From, it is good. Uh, uh, for people who haven't seen the, the, uh, the Good Place, he said, the thing that's brilliant about it is going, you know, the first season, it's, they're all set in heaven and you think it's all, you know, uh, he said, it's, it seems like a regular sitcom, but then it starts getting really good. And then the twist is they're not actually in heaven, they're in hell. He's gone, I think that's where we are. <laughs> he said, I think you and I have become friends in hell and we are doomed. We think that we're having fun. We're thinking this is good, but we're doomed to watch our fucking team do this every week for eternity. You know what <laughs> I love? Is you very saving moment that I was being a bit harsh when I said that you were doing it. He he is much darker than I am. <laughs> it was it was a real sobering moment. Like we watched that. I'm not sure if you saw the game, but there was a moment in the I think it was the third quarter where scores are even and we're on the rebound and Max King gets it in the open, 50 meters out, and he's running into goal. All he has to do is collect, handball memory, easiest goal. And so the crowd is like lifting, we're cheering. And Max King, like Bambi on ice, like those big winksy legs just start like crisscrossing. The poor bugger, he was fatigued. He was so, like he was gone. He just could not coordinate. And the ball, because balls for St Kilda do not bounce. The ball did not bounce up. It just stayed scrambly on the ground. And you see the poor guy, all limbs, like a fucking, like an electrified huntsman just trying to get this ball and just can't get it. And Zach Tui just slips in like a little, like a little leprechaun, just gathers up the ball and skips out of the back line. We watched that highlight on loop about 10 times and it got funnier every time we watched it. What else can you do? What else can you do when you're a Saints supporter? And look, I love Max King. I think I think he's going to be a superstar and stuff. But that was comedy brilliance. That's just kids. Like he's, yeah. it, it's too much to expect that. Like he's already kind of having to play like one of the absolute guns of the competition, and he's just not quite at that level. He has like moments where you can see it. It's like Aaron Norton, right? Yeah. Like 
yeah, you can see it. You get why people think he already is it because some weeks he is already that player, but he's not that player every week yet. And it will be awesome if he gets ever to the point where he is that player. Every, I think that his best football is still in front of him. And like Kings, both the King boys, like they're going to be like two, three, four years from now. Like we're going to look back on this and think it's absolutely adorable that one day he actually fell over <laughs> like Bambi be on us. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Someone was talking about like the best young forwards in the competition. Um, and like, it's like, you know, Norton, Wiedemann, King, the, the King brothers. And it's like, they're all, like McKay, but they're all like, he's 23. We have yeah. got so much. A generation of guns. It's, and it's, it's got and the potential of, if we keep finding a way <laughs> to make sure that big forwards can play. And keep making sure our players can stay in the park. Then it's got the potential to be the good old days where you had mm. like Dunstall and Lockett and all these like gun full forwards who are all capable of kicking huge like tallies. And that would be awesome. The good, the good old days. But if the prototype of the big forward in the 80s and 90s was like that, the gorilla, the sort of Lockett, you know, the Dunstall, yeah. the Ablett, the generation it looks like we're getting is the kind of buddy uh, prototype. And that is so exciting. I mean, imagine like Buddy was a superstar. We only had one of him. Imagine if we have like six Buddy types, super tall, super athletic, skillful big men. Yeah, it would be awesome. Like absolutely <laughs> so awesome. Great. Like I, I'm because and that's why I think we can already see it, and that's why it's frustrating that when it like when yeah King has one of those nights when that happens. But you look around every team at the moment. And so many of them, you're just like, oh, God, we're going to get to watch this guy play football for the next 10 years. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. And it sort of feels like, a, in a weird way, it feels like a close season, even though you reckon the eight's probably set from now on. People are it, saying it, that, but surely like nine rounds into the season, we can't say that like we're living in a world where Melbourne – are the best team in the competition and Hawthorne are the worst. Like, you can't tell me that at round nine, you can absolutely guarantee there's going to be no movement in or out of the eight. Like, I don't think there'll be a lot. And it, look, it is most likely that it's probably the eight that are in there are going to be jostling for positions. But I just think it's too early to write off the fact that someone gets on a bad run, gets some bad injuries, or someone gets on a good run. Like, GWS looked most likely to be that team for me, but Toby Green being out is a big blow to them, obviously. Yeah, that's such a bummer. Like if you talk about players that you want to see and mm -hmm. what a kind of season that he's having as well. But I must admit, I'll put my hand up and say I was wrong about GWS. I did tip the Tigers because I just felt like the Tigers just find a way to win. But I reckon they're going to be okay. GWS, I reckon they're having a bit of a Sydney last year kind of year. It's a bit of a dip, but they're, they've got so many good young kids. And that second tier, the ones that were second tier last year, like your Jacob Hoppers and stuff, and, you know, Tom Greens, they're all now stepping up. And it's, you, you sort of, we sort of, I think we got lulled into thinking, oh, yeah, uh, GWS just had that top tier, of, top tier of talent. And then, you know, you take the icing off and there's nothing underneath. It's like, oh, no, that's right. They're a fucking factory for superstars. Yeah, they kept superstars. banking like these high draft picks and they just didn't get the opportunity to showcase. And now they're getting that opportunity. Yeah, there's some, I mean, there's some real talent in that team. And it was really fun to watch. Like I was enjoying the yeah. way they were playing their football. I'm disappointed that they 
you know, have had this setback because I was, I thought that was going to be one of the more intriguing things towards the end of the season was going to see if GWS could kind of get their shit together enough to get into the finals. I thought maybe, but I think it'll be hard now. Speaking of GWS, uh, well, it's time for everyone's favourite segment, the player, what is it? Pocket profile player pocket? What's it? What do we call it? The, play, uh, pocket, the pocket profile, profile pocket. pocket. The player profile pocket profit, pro, profile. <laughs> profile. And while we're on the subject of GWS, we're going to learn a bit about the Ruckman Matt Flynn. Um, I had a quick read ahead of this, and I think this little description of uh, Matt Flynn by GWS gives you an idea of the tone of the answers. Get to know our Ruckman and self-titled King of Narendera, Matt Flynn. Okay. Self-titled. I think that's a, that's a hint. Okay. Uh, first question, Will. What is his name? Matt Flynn. All right, good start, good start. Uh, now, this bit, what is his nickname? He offers four, and you will not get any of them. <laughs> Errol? No. Um, okay. Door? The first one uh, is a guy that you wish was your dad. Uh, Jared Healy. Oh, no. His, nick- no sorry. his nickname is Jared Healy? <laughs> No, that's wrong. His first nickname is Gerald. <laughs> Not Jared. Gerald, I fucked that up. Uh, Gerald. All right. Do you want to try and reverse uh, a Gerald in G- in G- Gerald to Matt Flynn? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Gerald. Uh, Geraldton. Um, Geraldton to Njandari or wherever <laughs> he's the king of. Narendera. Narendera. Um and uh, Matt Flynn's from Narendra. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. We've still got three nicknames to go. It was terrible. Oh, God. Uh, another name for the devil. Uh, Satan. No. Beel- Spanish. Beelzebub. Spanish name for the devil. Uh, El Diablo. Diablo. Reverse engineer Diablo to Matt Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm not going to put him into that. Uh, his second nickname, no, it's just Pinner. And then the last name... Is Dibbles. Dibbles. They all could be the names of dogs. Gerald, Diablo, Pinna, and Dibbles. Yeah. Did you reckon he just definitely. got the he misheard the question? <laughs> what are the name of your four dogs? Yeah. As a kid, what did he want to be? <sighs> Not a footballer. But a, someone who works with footballers. Oh, uh, a physiotherapist. Well done. I was about to give you another Jared Healy clue, but you didn't need it. Gerald Healy, you mean? (laughs) Your dad. Uh, He followed a Victorian team as a kid. Which was it? Which? What is it? Who are they? Can I just just quickly on on Gerald uh, Gerald Healy? um, (laughs) Yeah, I've noticed. Because I'm still, because I do love Jared, and yeah. I, I quite often listen to Sports Day that he does with um, Sam McClure, you know, and Three W. They just have a podcast, and I so I listen to that, and I, I enjoy it. They have uh, Lee Matthews and Richo, and yeah, it's a good crew of people that I like hearing talk about football, and um, it's one of those uh, shows where. Like, they've got segments like Yes, No, Richo. So it'll just be like, hey, Richo, um, you know, is Nathan Buckley going to lose his job before the buy? And Richo will say yes or no. But what's happened is, because it's such a popular segment, it goes now for about 10 or 15 questions that Richo has to say yes or no to. And in the middle, Gerald 
will do a bit of editorializing about a topic not really related to football at all. And at the moment, it's kind of subtle digs at Dan Andrews and quarantine in Victoria. Oh, really? <laughs> and so it's not like a full-on political statement, but it's definitely yeah. always like, you know, uh, Richo, you went to Adelaide on the weekend. How was the South Australian quarantine? Would you describe it as good? And Richo's like, yes. Uh, Richo, you went again through the Victorian quarantine on the way back. Would you describe that as uh, good? <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> Fun game. What team did Matt Flynn follow as a kid? Where's he from? Vic- well, it's a Victorian team. Oh, okay. So. Um, One of the big four. Okay. Uh, yeah, Collingwood. The Bombers. Oh, I, was gonna, I was actually going to say the Bombers. I second guess myself. Who's the best player he play, he's played with? A lot to choose from. Current day GWS player. Yep. Still playing. Had some injury issues, but seems to have put them behind him. Um, I could... think you, of if you were to like any uh, GWS player, I'd say it would be this guy. Callan Ward or Phil Davis? Callan Ward. Callan Ward. Who is his all-time favourite player? Relates back to his team. Uh, James Hurt. Matthew Lloyd. Oh, he's Matthew a Lloyd be man. anyone's all-time favourite player? Well, he is. He's uh, Matthew Flynn's. Oh, because his name's Matt as well. He is probably liked him a little bit more because he was also a Matt. I mean, nothing against Matthew Lloyd, but he's boring. <laughs> He's not boring in the media, though. He's like a straight shooter. He's a, like a, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's a bit of a Kane Corns in disguise. Do you think he's been, I reckon, like, to be honest, I think Lloydie is like a sensible contrarian in mm. a Sky News world. Like, yes. so I think when he first came onto the scene, the fact that he was an ex-player who was willing to actually have some, like, yeah, you know, contrary takes yep. about things or be quite straight talking really distinguished him. Mm. And he still operates in that zone, which is he tries to bring some research to the table. He tries to have a considered opinion, even if it's contrary opinion. But he lives in a world of like Hutchies and Kane Cornses where like, yeah. you know. He's the, he is he's the Mitt Romney yeah. to Kane Corns as Donald Trump. Exactly, right? <laughs> he's the moderate conservative. Yeah. Yeah, you've just been, you've been, yeah, they're running against you from your strength. <laughs> what is his preferred time slot for the grand final? Day, twilight, nighttime. It's always daytime. So daytime. Nah, you and Flinny have fallen out. He likes a twilight. He'd like yeah. to do a twilight one. Because he's a kid. He's a millennial. That's true. They're all about their bloody Facebooking and, and YouTubing and... <laughs> Twilight Grand Finals. I still have not got a good bead on which AFL players prefer which time slots. Maybe this is a theme developing. Maybe the millennials are a bit more Twilight inclined. I mean, they grew up in an era where the biggest movie franchise was Twilight. So that's got to sink in, right? Like, even if you weren't into Edward and Jacob, you'd still be as a young (laughs) Well done for being able to name the characters. I couldn't have done that. I was trying to think of what the girl's name was. Bella? Bella. Bella the ball. Anyway, they were his two interests, football and Bella. And so he likes a Twilight Grand Final with vampires. <laughs> Who would he like to see as the Grand Final Entertainment? Um, vampire Weekend. <laughs> so, no. no. Um, 
Uh, it's an artist I haven't heard of, but you probably... Okay, Melbourne. He's a Melbourne-based DJ and producer who's taken the world by storm with a series of forward-thinking hypnotic house music heaters. You won't know who this is. Um, no, I don't know. I just Googled him. Um, Dom Dollar. Oh, okay. Do you know who that is? No, but... Well, he's a, he's a bloody popular Melbourne DJ and producer. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, do you, what, what do you reckon the chances of Dom Dollar being roped in for the AFL Grand Final are? Um, I'll give you a Dom Dollar to one. <laughs> <laughs> Who's his favourite AFLW player? Uh, initials A.E. Ann Edmonds. <laughs> Alicia Eva. If you weren't a footballer, what would you be? Joke answer. Relating to a teammate. Uh... Oh, um, someone's manager. Oh, no. Harry Perriman's personal masseuse. But I think okay. it was close. All right. he, went a bit more, he, went a, he went a bit more uh, 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 Benny Hill with it. A talent you wish you had, joke answer. Probably a criticism of Ruckman. Coordination. Kicking drop punts. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Well, you didn't like that gag? That little bit of work from the King of Naradun, or Naradera? <laughs> Marindera. If you were Carl Barron, yeah. would you have liked that joke? <laughs> I mean, there's definitely got to be a gut punch coming for me at some stage when they ask who his favourite comedian is. It may be himself at this stage from what um, the evidence we have. What makes you laugh? All right. Is it a TV show? Is it a comedian? It's a teammate. Uh, all right. Who who's most likely to be hilarious? Would it be a player that I would know of? I don't. I've. I think I've barely heard of him. His uh, his first name is Zach. Oh, no, like no. I, I can only think of Zach. all the famous Zachs. <laughs> his surname sounds like a kind of pasta. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Zach Facilli. <laughs> no, Zach Spaghetti. Sound like pasta. Oh, Zach Spaghetti. Zach Sprawl. We all love Zach Spaghetti from the GWS Giants. <laughs> Zach Sprawl. Don't you reckon Sprawl sounds like it could be a kind of pasta? I mean, I guess. Uh, I, I won't play it, but they do have a video here of uh, Matt Flynn um, calling his parents when he gets told he's going to play his first game. One of the videos <laughs> you on, love, I will we'll check that out during the week. Describe yourself in one word. Yeah, a little wink, a little wink answer. How might a Ruckman describe himself in one word? Talk. Yes. All right. You're back on the Flynn train. You're in the Flynn. You're in the Flynn bin. <laughs> what did you learn about yourself during COVID lockdown? Uh, hub beds are too small. No, no, get off that train. It's more, um, it sounds like he was trying to improve himself. Oh, um, I, I, I learned to meditate. No, I mean you're close. It's about learning, but it's a negative version of it. <laughs> what did you learn about self yourself during COVID lockdown? That uni isn't my thing. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh boy. Well, good on you for trying. Okay. Well, I guess if you can't do it in lockdown conditions, when are you going to get around to it? Like when you're back out and you can actually go and do things, you're definitely not going to have time for uni. What's the most enjoyable thing about hub life? <laughs> not having to go to fucking uni. <laughs> <laughs> all his meals were cooked for. Well, I, I, yeah, I guess that would be the case. Yeah. They'd all have, they'd have like cooks. I didn't even think about that. 
The first place you want to visit after restrictions are lifted. Narren Barren. Nah, international location. It's a pretty popular answer, actually. America. America. Favorite sporting event you'd like to attend? Pretty popular answer, actually. The... See, tall makes me think basketball. But I, normally I'd say Super Bowl, but tall makes me think basketball. So you're going to say you'd like to attend? Super Bowl. No, the NBA playoffs. <sighs> I fucking made you zig when you did a zag. Colombo instincts. <laughs> the last TV series you binged on, never heard of it. Um, I think it's, uh, it means wolf-like. <laughs> um, no, don't know. Lupin. Lupin. Oh, Lupin. Yeah, okay. L-U-P-I-N. Uh, three famous people you'd like to meet. Okay, so the first person is very obvious. <laughs> I think you I mean, I don't even just say it. LeBron James. LeBron James. <laughs> Correct. Second one. The Carl um, Barron of this question. <laughs> the second one is uh, a guy, a couple of other guys have mentioned. He's a very visible, oh, I don't, okay, he's a fighter. Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. And then the last one is a favorite of yours and mine. The Rock. And our other podcast, The Rock. What would LeBron, Connor, and The Rock... You know what? I probably imagine they've actually sat down together and had dinner. <laughs> like, it wouldn't surprise me. LeBron and The Rock definitely have had dinner together and maybe Connor snuck in there. That, that, that would not surprise me at all. That dinner has probably happened. They could, just, they could certainly run into each other or something and just have it like a chat. Adam McGregor fight. I don't think The Rock and LeBron are hanging out with Connor for any other reason than they've just watched him get his head kicked in. They might all be at a movie studio. I imagine they could all be working on individual movie projects and they just kind of like running into each other at the cafeteria. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Favorite team or sports person outside of football? LeBron James. LeBron James. <laughs> the Shawshank Redemption of athletes when it comes to the pocket profile. What is the best sporting event you have ever seen Live, what year was the? It's a grand final. What year? Uh, the grand final in. So he's young, right? So yeah, um, it, it was a history-making grand final. Twenty sixteen. No, uh, uh, older. Uh, as in, like going back, like this. Yes, there was something exceptional about it. It will never happen again. It will never happen again. It was a tie grand final. It was the. It was a tie grand final yeah. in 2010. If you won $10 million, what would you buy? I keep forgetting that that will never happen again. Yeah. And isn't that great? Isn't that is great? It? <laughs> we are the last team to play in a drawn grand final I'm, when we had all the momentum. I'd forgotten about it a bit. You know, it's just gone off the radar. But, but I, I don't know if I like that. I actually love the. I mean, again, I had no stakes in the game, but I, th when I was at that tie, I was like, this felt like almost the best game ever because, like, literally you had the two best teams of the, um, you know, the year and at the end of them all playing the most ferocious game that they could possibly fucking play. Like, so many iconic, you know, moments in that game. It ended, like, with them, like, you know, they both played as well as each other. The scores were equal. I was like, this is the best. Like, we think it's a great grand final if one team wins by one point. Why isn't it a greater grand final if both of the teams are even at the end of the day? That is like history. That is fucking amazing. I'm sad that we don't have that anymore. 
Would you say the real winner that day, Will, was football? The real winner was like, I think, you know. Collingwood, (laughs) the week later. It was like third party observers like myself who didn't have stakes in the game. (laughs) It was a great day. If you won 10 million, what would you buy first? Um, It's a gift for his coach. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Was it the car that um, Hutchie said that uh, uh, he had a Lamborghini, he had a Porsche, didn't he describe the GWS? The Ferrari. Yeah, the the case case of the Ferrari. Ferrari. Would he buy him a Ferrari? No, he'd buy him a house. (laughs) Okay. What was your first car? This is bloody Aussie classic, mate. Uh, Holden Commodore. Holden Commodore. See, there's you haven't done well. Like you've max kinged yeah. this. You've like sprayed a lot of shots and they've gone nowhere. But I can't fault your effort. Like you've been contesting. You've been getting in there. You've been having a dip. I like the signs. I think you're young, but you're you've got a future, Will. Yeah. I, I mean, I reckon two yeah. guys, one cup fans, should be getting excited about what will what will potentially deliver down the line. Thank you. Stick with I'll, him. I'll have my critics from today, but I've got to say. <laughs> I have no idea who this dude is. I literally <laughs> could not, for the $10 million he got offered earlier, draw you a fucking... I, I, all I know about him is he's tall. I could not pick him out of a lineup. I don't know if he has, like, blonde hair or brown hair or what, like, his face I'm, well, looks I'm like. Looking I know at him nothing and I about can't this really, man. I'm looking at him and I couldn't even tell you. He's that unremarkable. I can't even tell you. He's got sort of, like, blondy brown hair. Like it could be either. It's light brown hair and he's just got a face with some stubble. But if I had to like draw him on a police identikit, it would just be a big circle. That's it. And he has no discernible features. So I think considering that we're talking about a big old circle head, I feel like I've done <laughs> fine. It's hard to pin a circle head down. Uh, what's his usual coffee order? Skinny latte. Uh, armored latte. I'll give you that. I'll give you half a point. What's a dream place, place you would like to live? Uh, relates back to an earlier answer. It's a, uh, one of his teammates' houses. Oh, okay. Which of his teammates would have a really good house? Or is it just one that he, one of his teammates that he liked for some other reason? I think it's a joke. Oh, okay. Um, oh, it's a joke. Oh, no, I don't know what. Cal Ward's house. Oh, that's weird. That's even now that you've said the answer, <laughs> that is weird to me. I don't understand. Uh, and what is, what does he have in store for him uh, for life after football? Oh. And he gives a very, uh, it's a very dry answer. What's going to happen? What's your life after football? What are you going to be? Retired. Retired. See? Look, again, you're showing glimpses, and I like it. (laughs) Everyone should stick with Will. Didn't didn't nail it, but there was like a couple of good ones. Uh, Hey, if you like this show, you should go to tofop.com because Will and I do a bunch of podcasts just like this, sometimes with each other, sometimes with other people. Will does one called Willosophy. Who's on this week? Who is on this week? Oh, Linda Mariano (laughs) is on this week. Uh, Really good guest, actually. And then uh, in a couple of days, there is a new Peter Hellier episode. So... That will be well worth checking out as well. And some really cool episodes coming up, including, Charlie, one that I'm meant mm. to do on Friday, if it happens, with uh, Andrew McCarthy. From 
16 Candles? Yeah. No, uh, from Pretty in Pink. Yeah, from Pretty in Pink. Like John Hughes. What? What's that? From Weekend at Burning, did... most famously, of course. <laughs> How did that get set up? I don't know. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm still a bit suspicious that it all actually happened. But um, That's so strange. Is he out here doing something? No, he's not out here. It's just like over the... In the exact same way we're recording this, even though we live within 30 kilometres driving distance of each other, turns out that I don't also need to be in the same room as Andrew McCarthy. We can also do that in the same fashion we do this. Uh, we have another podcast called uh, Tofop. Um, we recorded that on Monday and uh, that was a lot of fun. What did we talk about? Oh, yeah, my experimental EMS therapy. If you don't know what that is, listen to Tofop to find out more. Uh, and if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash tofop. Um, it's, it's a, it's a tofop tag, but all the money goes to all our podcasts. And if you do like the show and you want to support us somehow, uh, money is always good and yep. you can <laughs> sign up to Patreon for any level from a dollar a month. Support us somehow. Money is absolutely the best way. <laughs> like, uh, you can, you, know, you can also gone. like share shit around. You can tweet about it. You can share the podcast. You can tell a friend about it. You can rate and review it all those things are actually really great so much cool engagement around content as well like people send us you know articles and videos and all those sort of things and we love when you do that and yes as i said we've been doing the instagram on thursdays at five which is becoming a fun little show you can watch all the old episodes as well they're all pinned on the instagram page uh so our first bit of mail is from damo who wants to know at what point does a relationship to football or football team become toxic? Um, I guess when it's bringing you more pain than pleasure, but I mean, I don't know. I've been through a lot of pain. I've probably had more pain than pleasure. I don't know. Can it become toxic? I mean, it's just a game, isn't it? It's like, I'm sure it can if you let it, but... Like, we're just watching, like, sport for fun. Like, it's good to love it really hard and it's good to feel it as well because that's just a fun way to process those emotions Raise in a controlled stakes. environment about something that at the end of the day isn't actually that all that important other than that we've decided it's important. Um, yeah, you see it become toxic. You see it ruin people's fucking lives. I don't feel mm. like I will ever go back there. I think I was there. I think there was a point before 2016. I think at that lowest point, I remember when we lost the CEO and the coach and the captain and, you know, it just, I was like, what? you know, and I, at that stage, put fucking, you know, 40 years into it, <laughs> you know, and you're just like, oh, really? What have you, like, why have you invested so much of your time, so much of your energy, so much of like your... You could have learned how to do something like productive that made you happy regularly yeah. as opposed to this. But 2016 just kind of, I, I can't imagine wanting for more. Like, I mean, I'd love to see more, don't get me wrong, but I, I'm fine with it. I feel like, so I feel so satisfied with like, I don't think I can, I, I hope that I will never go back to that toxic place. Well, you know who is satisfied, Will, and that's uh, Hawthorne supporters. And after our discussion around Hawthorne last week, Michael has decided to uh, uh, chime in, not Michael Chamberlain um, from Junk Time, a different Michael Hawthorne supporter, to send us some stats on Hawthorne because we were struggling to remember how many flags and uh, finals they'd paid in. So he's very helpfully 
uh, told us that the Hawthorne, since 1971, has played in 32 finals campaigns, have won 12 pre- premierships, five grand finals, five prelims, four semifinals, and six qualifying elimination finals. Uh, so that's some great stats about Hawthorne and does nothing at all to reinforce the perception that people have about Hawthorne supporters being totally, totally unlikable dicks. But how long, if they were unsuccessful, how long before we liked them again? Like, as it, I mean, I admire Hawthorne and I can't see them being bad for too long That because, because of those statistics. Like, if you just look at the history of that club, they are a successful club that loves success and are very good at being successful. They will be successful again, I imagine. But how long would it take them being bad for us to like be like, oh, I feel a bit bad for Hawthorne? How, how many seasons? Well, it's been 20 years for Carlton and I feel a bit bad for Carlton. So I reckon Hawthorne maybe 30, whack an extra 10 on top of that. <laughs> Uh, JD wants to know, what is the most underrated stat in the AFL? I reckon sledging. Uh, they don't report how many sledges are done during a game and what the rating of the sledge is, but I imagine sledges would, would, would affect a game a lot. I, I think, um, what is the most underrated stat? I mean, I, you know what I do admire about the Bulldogs this year is that they have got some fucking great haircuts. And like <laughs> they look like a team that is, you know, like the like when they won in twenty sixteen, none of them had like wear good a hair. good team haircuts. Like yeah. even Bont now, like Bont the other night was rocking a bit of a like he's gone that short back and sides, but he's put a bit of a, like a you know a kind of flying V, a mighty duck style flying V in the back of the head, and I was just like, oh, I like this, I like Bont's a pretty I like good actor. This that- is. <laughs> That that Amy ad he does, he's yeah. really good in it. I was actually quite compelled by yeah. his performance. I actually forgot for a second that it was Bond. I'm like, I'm totally buying that this guy's running late for whatever his appointment is. Oh, it's football. Oh, that's Bond. Uh, LBD wants to know, does the Collingwood board have its backs to the wall? No, mate, they are fucking toe-to-toe just slaughtering each other like the Red Wedding at the moment. Yeah. There's no backs against wall there. There's more to come on this Collingwood thing. Strap yourself in. Aiden wants to know, Will, does beating Port this weekend give you genuine hope for the boys this year? And how do you feel this year's Doggies team stacks up against 2016s? I, I think it's uh, like a probably a team that is better across the field. It feels to me, but like it just, it's about whether you can get all those players to play at their capacity at the same time. And that's what they did in 2016 is just everyone played out of their skins. Like, you know, those players that like really are that sort of 18th, 19th, 20th player on your list, just all just went, this is my moment. Like you look at the Bulldogs and you think if all these players played well on the same day, this would be a very hard team to beat. And I think there are better teams than us, clearly, this season. I think Melbourne and, like, Richmond beat us. So, like, there's definitely at least two. Like, Brisbane, a fucking good team. Like, but do I think the Bulldogs are in the mix? Yes. And does this look like a team? See, what happened in 2016 was we stole one, right? We won it, but Mm. we weren't the best team. Like, this looks like a team that could consistently be in the best four or five teams in the competition for the next five four or five years you know like all the player profiles the age of the list 
like how they're playing together. Like there's just the, yeah, the depth, you know, the VFL team's really strong. Like Jamara still hasn't come in. He's going to be a good player. Like, you know, Waitman, these, like there's a lot of those sort of positions where you're like, I'd love to see this in, you know, we, we can all see how quickly it can all go wrong. Right. Like the yeah. good teams are consistently up there. And then like teams like the Bulldogs have it for a minute. And then, you know, you're like a person who's never been rich. And you don't know how to spend your money and invest it wisely. You know, the big fucking, the big clubs are just fucking down the bottom of the ladder for two years plotting against you to fucking come and take what is rightfully theirs. Uh, Jess has forwarded the video you're talking about, about the goal umpire. She said, this editing work for the reenactment of Dusty taking out the umpire deserves to live in our hearts forever. And uh, I'm just watching it with the sound off and... Yep, it's exactly as you described. What the fuck is this? Bookmarked. I'm going to watch that as soon as we stop recording. Uh, Nick Allen has sent a headline from Football Feed, which is Chinese businessman brought in Zibu Chuju, a second tier Chinese side, and told the coach to play his son. Thoughts on this and which president in the AFL club would do the same? Tony Cochran. Tony Cochran would buy a second tier team and make them play his son. I don't think that he needs to buy a second-tier team. I imagine that Tony Cochran <laughs> would be happy to do that at the Gold Coast Suns. Far Out Sprout, okay, Far Out Sprout, Far Out Sprout says, should Dusty pay for a shoulder reconstruction of the goal umpire? It looks like he needed one. Um, I'm sure he's covered by workers' comp. I don't know if Dusty needs to pay out personally. I wouldn't have thought that. It's a work in, it's a it's a workplace injury, not a personal injury. And it's not like Dusty targeted him. It was accidental. Uh, Josh, yeah, Josh wants or to know: so Did either of you get? Ta- <laughs> Imagine if that's what turns out. Maybe that's Dimmer's game plan. We need to get the public against us. We galvanise when it's them against us. Dusty, take out the most innocent-looking guy on the ground, the goal umpire. We've but identified the dweebiest, most innocent. Fragile goal umpire we can find. We need you to take him out. Uh, Josh wants to know, did either of you ever get tagged while playing footy? Uh, Josh, Josh, Josh. You underestimate how bad a footballer I was. I had the bare minimum of skills. I was the tagger. I was the negator. I'd get sent out because I never was good enough to play in the firsts. So I'd play in the seconds. And often you could tell the guys who'd been dropped from the opposition had been dropped from the first because they had numbers on their backs. The seconds, we didn't get to wear numbers. And uh, my job was to go out to players wearing a number and just fucking make his day hell. <laughs> that was my job. I, I mean, I played on people where they were playing on me but i don't think i was ever good enough either to be the sort of like we've got a plan we have to stop this guy i think i was just one of those players that like they were like well we'll put another good player on him and he'll run around with him i remember there was a dude who like in the mud in sale like was playing pretty close on me and i grabbed him by his long hair and pushed his face into the mud in retrospect i probably almost murdered a child like, it was almost a child-on-child murder that day. So I guess that was as close. That time I almost murdered a child. <laughs> Excuse me. Rowry wants to know, should Ben Cunnington replace his unconvincing advanced hair job with a permanent mullet a la Joe Dirt in an effort to rejuvenate himself? Uh, he's rejuvenated. He was best on ground against Tasmania. Um, I don't think... I think that is leaning into it too hard. I think Ben Cunnington doesn't need to dress up like a common man he is the common i 
I realize now the genius of his advanced hair because he was just a guy who was going bald. And you can actually kind of shave bald and become a Chris Judd sort of like it has a slickness to it, right? Yeah, silver surface. But he's like, I am, I always need to look like a middle-aged man. Like, despite yeah. the fact that I'm actually an athlete in the prime of his career and his life, <laughs> I need to look like a middle-aged man. And the only way I can truly do that is only getting a few strands of advanced hair on. So it always, for the rest of my life, looks like I'm a guy who's going bald who hasn't admitted it yet. Um, uh, Timothy has uh, mentioned the... Uh, did you see the vision of the Lions player who was getting uh, taken off? He was injured and he attempted to... Tackle the player with his foot. It's just very, no. reaches out in front of the Suns player. It's hilarious. He's injured. He's been helped off by the trainers and the play is going on around him and he like attempts to get involved by just like limply sticking a foot out to try and stop the Suns player from running. Uh, Pete says, if Richmond's transgressive, transgressive nightclub actions make them the AFL's Cobra Kai, then who is going to be our Daniel LaRusso? I don't think it does make them the Cobra Kai. Uh, Richmond, the Cobra Kai? I mean, happen? it does it feel like with, like Hardwick saying that Marvel's a shit stadium and Sucks. like they're like they they do have a little like it I, it feels very manufactured. That's the thing that I'm not finding convincing about it. Like it really feels like the entire thing is Richmond just going, "This is what we need." You know, this is like like Richmond have got bored with like missionary sex on the Pornhub page and they've just got to go to a few <laughs> extra different levels to get themselves off these days. They just can't get it up every weekend unless, you know what, let's just say the stadium shit. Who should say it? The coach <laughs> and the CEO? Fuck it. Why not? Both of you say it's a shit stadium. Why would anyone come in? Uh, Charlie wants to know, we all hear about the one percenters, but what about the point one percenters? Mm-hmm. Which footballer delivers the most point one percent efforts? My nomination is the legendary Lance Whitnell. Uh, who delivers, who does the least amount of effort? I mean, Plugger, when the ball went out of the forward line, growing up as a kid, like Plugger would put no effort into chase. If, if the ball came in and bounced off his chest or got like repelled, that was it. There was no pressure. There was no forward pressure from Plugger. I miss the days of like somebody who's just like, nah, running after people's <laughs> not for me. Well, yeah, I mean, Alan Jackovich. I think that that is part of the appeal of Dustin Martin. He's not in any way a lazy player, but he's not fussed with playing defense to the point where the Tigers literally have another player basically whose job it is to like Dustin Martin's life is awesome because he gets to go and play footy, but he only has to do the good fun bits and they literally employ mm. a whole other dude to just do all Dusty's dirty work, run down and play defense and do all that on his behalf. That is, I guess that's like having a personal assistant or something like, you know, it's just somebody who's just like, you never open a door by yourself again. Uh, here's a little callback to a, an, a joke from an earlier season of two guys, one cup. Virone trickery oh. <laughs> says, Will, are you fearful that Melbourne are the 09 Cats to the Bulldogs 09 Saints? Yes. Uh, I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a fair comparison. Well, I, think, uh, I am worried that uh Melbourne are the best team in the competition and you know that if we are one of the contending teams that the team that is most likely they, they just look good Melbourne, you know? They just mm. I mean they they just look good. They have a very good team. 
Um, we've got a few more to go, so let's fly through them. Just quick, short answers from now. Uh, and go. Scott wants to know, what is with the private school talk in commentary? Uh, a lot of the commentators go to private schools or coach at private schools, and therefore they often talk about private schools because nothing that fucking people who have kids at private schools like to talk about more than the fact that their kids are at private schools. Art Deco wants to know, what do you think about the AFLW season now starting in December? Um, I think it's good. I think it's going to be hard for the girls. It's a hard game to play when it's fucking warm. I'd be interested to know how they're going to deal with that, like shorter quarters or something. I think it'll be a different game. You know what? I've got some optimism around it because I think uh, maybe this is just a really – I know this is meant to be a quick answer, but um, from my point of view – there's only so much fucking football that I can watch, but I love football. And the idea that Mm. like there's a free run at the AFLW, I think I will watch a lot more AFLW personally. So Mm. um, I hope it works for them. I hope it is a really successful thing. I think it could be. I think it's actually... And even the fact that like a lot of the women who play in the AFLW are still you know, part-time, they have like, you know, jobs and you're most likely to have some time off your job around the summer. So it just might be a sort of thing that for a while, while they're transitioning in between like sort of amateur sport and professional sport that suits them. I don't know, but like, I, I hope it's successful. Pep wants to know, what would a Papley celebration look like if he was to kick 10 in a game and have any players worn tall shoes in games? I don't think any players won like what lifts? Are we talking lifts or, or I mean, heels? I feel like that would <laughs> or something? be really long studs. I feel like it would just be great if Caleb Daniel came out in a pair of like Prince style like <laughs> lifts. Like Bart Simpson in that episode where he's trying to get cast in that movie. He's wearing like a long vertical suit and he's got his Everybody hair spiked up. Everybody else is putting and... in there the wet weather stops and he's coming out. <laughs> he's as tall as Tim English. Walking a tiny little chihuahua so he looks bigger. <laughs> He gets rid of the bulldog, Sid, and gets a little chihuahua in there. Uh, Annie wants to know, not sure if you guys have talked about this before, what are your thoughts on a Tassie team joining the comp? Yeah, fucking do it. It Just don't relocate the Saints there. As long as it's not my team having to go down there, then I'm all for it. No, I think it should be a new team. Let's just have a buy every week. Why does it matter? Like, I think a buy every week, like if one of the teams doesn't play every week, is much better than what we're about to have, which is that these weird sort of, like four or five game rounds for fucking three weeks and you kind of lose track of like, you know, which game is which. Like I actually prefer the idea of, and with the, you know, toll on the players and all these sort of things, why not just have a 19th team and have a bye? Uh, Rory says, Charlie, sorry to ask this, which grand final would you rather the Saints have won, 2009 or 2010? Good question. I think 2009, because it would have been an almost perfect season. We won 19 games for the year. We were the best team going around. We should have won that game, but we just couldn't kick straight. 2010 would have felt great because you're beating Collingwood at the MCG and after Goddard's mark, that would have gone down as like the great grand final mark. But 2009, that's the one I would rather have won. Uh, Nikki uh, has got the, she sent us the Ben Cunnington vision. Anthony wants to know, does Geelong double down on their late out habits? (coughs) Why would they double down? I don't understand that question. I don't here. really understand it either. They must do late outs. I wasn't sure about that. Uh, Reese wants to know, which of these potential scenarios would most excite you for this year? A, Collingwood takes it too far and goes through the wall trying to get their backs against it. B, Hawthorne bottoms out and they for relocates into Tasmania. Very topical. C, Melbourne go undefeated all year but lose the grand final. I think I know which one Will would like to see. I'm 
I'm very fond of Melbourne, but there is part of me that would think that was one of the most <laughs> awesome things that ever happened in the history of the AFL. I too am very fond of Melbourne, but that would be amazing. And I would be very happy if it was the Bulldogs that made that happen. That would be, I'd be like, okay, I was wrong about 2016. This is the greatest great final. Has Collingwood moved from backs against the wall to Richmondy and Richmond moved to backs against the wall? Hmm. No. I don't think Collingwood are losing in a Richmondy fashion, but Richmond's backs are against the wall. Interesting question. Yeah, I like it's it, It's got a real freaky Friday vibe. Well, that brings our mailbag to a close. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. As Will mentioned earlier, we do our tips at 5 p.m. on a Thursday. Uh, so I'll re- send out a reminder on our Instagram page. You can find us on Twitter at, at Two Guys One Cup AFL and on Instagram at Two Guys One Cup AFL. Uh, but for now, play on, not 15. Bowl. We are Two Guys One Cup AFL.